Hi, this is Pastor David Elijah and we are New Millennium Kingdom Church. Today is Saturday, June the 5th, 2021. We're going to continue studying the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 19. Last week we covered chapter 18 where we saw the destruction of Babylon. And this big week we will go deep into chapter 19. So before we begin, let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, Lord, for this time, this time of fellowship, and for us to study your word. Help us to understand your word. Help us to apply your word. Help us to have living faith so we can overcome all things that are going to come upon this earth in a very short time. So help us to be prepared for that day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 19. Let's begin with verse 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. So John is seeing this massive number of people in heaven and they are speaking with a loud voice. And what are they declaring? They're saying, Hallelujah. Why? Because God has just shown these people the destruction of Babylon, of the whole wicked system, and all the evil people that rule this planet. And now they are all being judged righteously by God. And God has taken back His honor, His authority, His power, because it belongs to God Almighty. The devil came, Lucifer came to, to steal it away from God. And he had human beings worship him. But now they have been destroyed. So now the people in heaven are worshiping God and they are declaring the righteous truth that God is the one who has all power, all authority, all honor, all glory and salvation. And it all belongs to God. So they say what? Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. So after these things, that means all of chapter 18 and before, they have seen the wrath of God. They have seen God's righteous judgment come upon the earth, upon the wicked, upon wicked Babylon, upon the whore of Babylon, and they've been destroyed. But there's nothing left of Babylon on the planet. And the people that were part of that system were wiped out. God has just judged them in the most severe manner for eternity. There is no more chances for them. And here they the who are in heaven, those who submitted to God, those who bowed down to Jesus Christ of Nazareth, those who did not receive the mark of the beast, that did not bow down to Lucifer, they are the ones in heaven and they are worshipping before the throne of God. And John is, has the privilege of looking at it and hearing what's taking place in heaven. And they're singing, they're saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. In your life, when you have received salvation from the Lord Jesus, then you are obligated to give God the glory, to give God the honor, to give God all power. Why? Because it belongs to God. If a man or a woman or a parent or somebody comes and says, give me honor, give me glory, give me power, you are to deny them that. You have to say, you need to subject yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of pompous, arrogant people walking around saying, oh, I need 
I deserve respect. I deserve honor. I des deserve glory. They want to glorify themselves. Like I always repeat myself, this is a society that's full of narcissists. They worship themselves, self-idolaters. They are part of the system of Babylon. They will be destroyed because they never gave glory to God. They never honored God. They never gave all power to God. What does it mean to give power to God? Is to submit yourself. Yes, you're strong. Yes, you're healthy. Yes, you have riches and wealth and everything. But you're submitting yourself. You're handing over power and authority to God. You're learning to be dependent on Him. That's how you give power to God. You have power in yourself, but it's limited power. So whatever limited power you have or whatever weakness you have, how easy it is to just hand it over and say, Lord, to you belongs all the power, all the honor, all the glory. We get people walk into the church and says, give me glory, give me honor, give me respect. And we look at them and says, what is wrong with you? Who do you think you are? And when we do that, they get offended and they run away. Because that's how the society is built. It's built on narcissism. And when you call somebody a narcissist, they get offended. That's a sign that you're a narcissist. A humble person will never get offended. If somebody calls you a narcissist and you're a humble person, you'll just smile. You'll think it's a joke. You'll be laughing. But somebody who gets offended when they're called a narcissist, that proves that they are narcissists. That's a spirit of pride. It's a spirit of rebellion. You have not bent your knee to Jesus Christ. That's a horrible place to be. A narcissist will never bend their knee to Jesus. It's those who are broken, those who are just wretched, those who acknowledge their sin, those who acknowledge who they are before God, openly confessing. Nothing hidden, nothing secret. Everything is out in the front. You cannot hide anything anymore. Because of the internet, everything is out there. You're posting your pictures and your family pictures and where you went on vacation and what you did last week and all the barbecues and the parties and the friends. Everything is a public spectacle. Everyone is a star in their own movie, in their own little, you know, show that they think they have. And they're the superstar of their own show. But God requires us to say, give it all up. Cast your crowns at my feet. Stop wearing your crowns, walking around, strutting around like a donkey. Just come down from your pedestal, from your high horse, and bow down to God. The wrath of God is coming in the most horrible way. The prosperity preacher says, oh, there's going to be a great revival, and God's going to save many people. And that's not what the Bible says. They're lying to you. What did Paul say? There will be a great apostasy, a falling away from the faith, not a revival. The end days are marked by apostasy before God's judgment comes. And we see that already. People fall away from the church when they find out, hey, I'm not being glorified in this church. I'm not being pumped up. My ego is not being pumped up. I'm not being patted on my back for doing good stuff. So they fall away. And they fall away to damnation. They fall away to perdition. They fall into the hands of Antichrist. So this verse is powerful. Salvation and glory and honor and power belongs to the Lord our God. It belongs to nobody else. You have no business trying to give honor and glory and respect to people around you. You have to tell them, hey, look up. Don't look at yourself. Start looking up. Wake up. Too many people are in the self-delusional bubble that they walk around thinking, it's all about me. At least in the West, those who are watching this in the East, and they already know that they're broken, they're crushed, they are desperate for God. They have real faith in God. 
I love the people in the East. They may have very limited goods and money and finances and access to wealth and whatever, but they are rich in faith. God is proud to call them his people. It's the people in the West that are full of themselves, proud, arrogant, boastful, pompous. And they are like, why isn't God blessing me? And what happened to the vision? What happened to the prophecy? And what happened is that you are delusional. That's what happened. You don't understand the gospel. The gospel is a paradox. It's everything is upside down. Actually, it's right side up if you think about it. Those who are humbled will be exalted. And those who are pompous and arrogant will be brought low. Why do we tell people to repent and to humble themselves before God knocks you down? We're doing your great service by telling you, humble yourself. Come down to your knees before God does it. When God does it, he will crush you. You don't want God to come and crush you because of your pride and arrogance and rebellion and lawlessness. So before that day comes, we preachers go and tell people. And anywhere you turn now, everybody's proud and arrogant and boastful and offended by everything and anything. That's a real clear sign of the spirit of pride. It's the spirit of Lucifer, pride, offense. And they will not bow their knees to Jesus Christ. When was the last time I asked them? When they went on their knees and repented of their sins. Genuine prayer. Not fake crying and drama and putting a show in front of people. Privately, in your private prayer closet. That God can see in private, he will reward you openly. People don't do that anymore. They don't have time for that. They're too busy trying to boast about themselves and their dramas and their madness. And here the multitude is shouting out loudly. We have a difficult time confessing Christ before man. Anywhere you look, people are ashamed of Jesus. They are ashamed of the gospel. They are ashamed of being a true witness, to be a public witness, to say the name of Jesus with reverence, with love, with honor, with respect, with power and glory. Because salvation belongs to Jesus Christ alone. Where are those witnesses today? Where are they today? There's none. They're all running around. They're being their own witness. Pompous, arrogant, proud, boastful. And they're saying, it's about me. It's not about Jesus. It's about me. Why don't you put your spotlight on me? You don't come to a preacher and say, hey, put the spotlight on me. You say, why aren't you preaching Jesus? That should be the question. Anyone comes up to me and asks me that, that's the question they should ask me. Are you preaching Jesus Christ? Are you a witness of Jesus Christ or not? That's the test of a true preacher. Preachers, pastors, their job is not to go around patting people on the back and making them feel good and entertaining them and making them feel good. You got so many hypocrites. They come to church, they receive the healing, they receive the miracle, they receive prophecies, they receive the interpretation of dreams. But they will not receive correction. They will not receive a rebuke. They will not receive chastising. They will not receive any correction. Biblical correction. They refuse. But they want the healing. They want the miracle. They want the deliverance. Yeah, they want to know what their dream means. All of that they want it. They want prophecy. They want visions. But when God wants to correct them, they don't want it. What is that? What does that look like? Lawlessness. They are the goats. Sheep don't do that. Goats do that. Goats are the ones fighting against correction, fighting against bumping the horns back at the pastor, back at the preacher. You have too many goats around. Verse 2. 
for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. God's judgments are true and righteous. God's judgments are righteous. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no error in it. There is no mistake in it. God's judgments are true, perfect, righteous. It's according to your works. You will be judged and you will be condemned according to your words. I've had to repent many times. I have put my foot in my mouth. I have said wrong things. I have said incorrect things. And I have to dial it back. I have to publicly apologize for it. In all our services and our meetings, I have said, I'm sorry. If I said something wrong, if I did something incorrect, and I've had my own children correct me, I have my wife tell me, that is wrong. And I'm, yes, I acknowledge it. I don't fight it. I don't say, oh, no, I'm going to justify bad behavior or justify wrong words or, or wrong attitudes or intentions. Any one of us are in that place where human, we will mess up and we acknowledge it. And we say, yes, we're wrong. That's to be humble, to say, yes, I acknowledge it. I have no problem saying if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And we are wrong every day, a hundred times a day. That's the level of inaccuracy in our lives. All of us struggle with that. So how difficult it is to acknowledge, you know what, I messed up. You know what, I, I said something wrong. You know what, I'm sorry. It's not difficult to apologize. Our children make us apologize every day. We're like, yes, we're sorry. But when you don't, then God's righteous and true judgments come upon people like that. They are hypocrites. They deny that they are wrong. They deny that they did anything wrong. They are liars and hypocrites. And God will judge them severely as he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Many servants of God will die. Bloodshed will take place. I'm a preacher. I'm out in the open. I could die. I could die for what I do today. And that's fine. It's acceptable by me. I've already made that pact with God. If I have to die for my faith, yes, I will die for my faith. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of anybody. That's the price you have to pay. If you are really a true servant of Christ, you are willing to die for him. Today, you tell people to do one thing for Jesus. They're like, oh, no, it's too inconvenient. Oh, your services are too long. Oh, you stay so far away. How are they going to die for Jesus? Any little thing, oh, it's inconvenient. Revelation 19.3 Again they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. The destruction is so terrible that the smoke of the destruction rises up forever and ever. It's a symbolic vision of what God's judgment looks like. It's forever. It's for eternity. It's a reminder to the wicked, to the lawless, to the rebellious, to the disobedient, that you will burn forever and ever in hell. Your smoke will rise up from hell, from Hades, forever and ever and ever. Revelation 19.4 And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. These are elders that are in the throne of God, in the throne room of God, sitting on thrones. And what happened? They fell down on their faces. And the four living creatures that look so awesome and terrifying, the scary looking creatures that guard the glory of God and the entrance to the throne room of God, they fell down too. 
They have power. They have authority. They have a place in heaven. They are in the throne room of God, but they are not proud. They fall down on their faces and they worship God. Today we tell people, get off your high horse, stop your self-idolatry, stop your narcissism, get on your knees and worship God. And they're like, oh no, I can't do that because I worship myself. But these elders and the four living creatures fell down. They prostrated themselves on the floor and they worshiped God. These are examples for us. When was the last time we did that? Fell on our faces saying, Lord, we worship you. And we say, Amen, Hallelujah. What is the last thing you remember God did for you? A good thing. And he blessed you. Or even he corrected you. He chastised you. You have to go on your knees. Instead of throwing a pity party or grumbling, complaining, mourning, whining, say hallelujah, amen. Thank you, Lord, for the correction. Thank you, Lord, for the chastising. Thank you, Lord, for the rebuke. In 25 years, I've been rebuked many times. I've done foolish things and elders and you know people that are Older to me in the church, in the house of God, in the family of Christ, in the body of Christ, all around the world. I've traveled so many places and I've been out of hand, out of order. I've done crazy things and they've come and rebuked me to my face. And I'm like, yes, you're right. I'm not going to say no. It's obvious. We've all been there and we are still there and we have to say yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are foolish human beings and we mess up. But... We acknowledge it, we fall on our faces and say, here I am, Lord, forgive us. And we glorify God. Revelation 19.5 Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, and those who fear Him, both small and great. So a voice came forth from the throne of God. And it's saying, it's a commandment. It's not saying, please... You have to go around begging people, come for worship, come for service, come to church. And they're like, oh, no, I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm going to a barbecue. Oh, I got this to do. I got that to do. I have shopping to do. That was last year or two years ago, I guess. Now with the pandemic, all the dramas have stopped. All the shopping has stopped. All the entertainment has stopped. It's a full stop to all the entertainment. All the easygoing lifestyle is over. Now everybody's scared to death. Everybody's running to hospitals and getting vaccines and running around here and there, terrified. Everywhere you look, people are fearful for their life. They never praise God. They never worship God. They never went to the house of God. They never acknowledge God in their lives. Now when they're dying and their family members are dying, oh, pray to God, pray for my family, pray. Yeah, now's the time to pray. More than ever. Now's the time to worship God, that He may have mercy on us, compassion, and there's worse to come. The book of Revelation is full of death and destruction. And we are on the verge of it. We are right on the threshold of what is to take place on this planet. There'll be cataclysms. There'll be earthquakes. Read Matthew 24. Read the book of Revelation. We are that generation that will be an eyewitness to all of that. The Antichrist will show up. And those who are fake Christians, counterfeit Christians, those who are compromised Christians, mixed greed, hybrid Christians... They will all go running to the Antichrist, take the mark of the beast, because they were not willing to praise God. Their heart was never right. It was never in the right place. Multitudes, many will be deceived. Many will fall to the Antichrist. The apostasy is called the great apostasy. It's not a little apostasy. It's a great apostasy. Another word is rebellion. Paul describes it. 
He says that day will not come. Which day? The day of Christ. That day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And then what happens? The man of sin is revealed. So these things will take place before the return of Jesus. The apostasy will happen. That's a great falling away, a great rebellion. A rebellion against who? Against God. They are rebelling against Satan. They are running to Satan, but they are rebelling against God. It's called the falling away. Falling away from where? From the church, from the faith, from God. Just because of convenience. Oh, I don't want to die. I don't want to give my life for Jesus. I don't want to die for Jesus. I'll bow down to Satan. I'll bow down to Antichrist. I'll take the mark of the beast. Even now, at the end of Revelation, we are in the last two, three chapters. The voice is telling, praise our God. What is the voice saying? Praise our God. All you, his servants. We are the servants of God, all of us. Yeah, we are sons and daughters of God. Yeah, we are princes and queens and kings. and But we are servants first. We serve him first. More than father, mother, sister, brother, children, we have to serve God first. Praise our God, all you, his servants. God knows his servants by name. You can't fake this stuff. Either you are his servant or you're not. Are you playing games or you are really walking with Jesus? You can have it both ways. And we see that hypocrisy here in this country all over the place. We try to get have it both ways. I want to be in the world and I want to be in the church and I want to have best of both worlds. You cannot have it that way. Either you serve Christ or you serve Baal. You can't serve both. All you, his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. Today, nobody fears Jesus because they, oh, he's a myth, he's a legend. Nobody knows where he is. He's not coming back. A lot of people are in that place, in that Lala place. Oh, nothing's going to happen. Life is going to go on. Well, the pandemic happened, and there's more to come. Now they'll realize, oh, maybe the Bible is real. Maybe the book of Revelation said something that is true. Now people are opening up their Bibles and saying, let me read it. Let me see what the Bible says. You had to wait for a pandemic for your eyes to open, for half your loved ones to die and go to hell. And then you wake up and say, oh, I better open the Bible and study it and understand it now. Why are we recording these and putting it on YouTube and other platforms? So that when we are gone, and the rest that don't have a Bible or don't have access to the internet, if they downloaded it, they'll be able to watch it. Or if they still have access to the internet, hopefully, they might get a chance to understand what the book of Revelation says. Because there will be no church open. There'll be no preacher alive. The prosperity preachers will be there, still preaching money, money, and health, wealth, prosperity. Yeah, they will still be there, hanging out with the Antichrist. But the true preachers will be gone. There'll be no one to teach you this stuff. Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. So the little people and the great people, all the superstars and the you know, celebrities is that you're, you think you're great? Praise God. Humble yourself before God. However great you are and however famous you are, however wealthy you are, you are required to praise God. Revelation 19.6 and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. This is the multitude. This is the church. This is the body of Christ in heaven. 
worshiping God and their voices are so loud collectively it sounds like thunder it sounds like a waterfall a massive waterfall and what are they saying hallelujah for the lord god omnipotent reigns he rules he rules today he rules tomorrow he rules for eternity the antichrist will be given a short period to rule on this earth he's the god of this age he is coming the antichrist will come be empowered by lucifer and he will rule this planet for three and a half years and he will cause a lot of bloodshed he will kill majority of the people especially those who don't take the mark of the beast he will slaughter them he will cut their heads off with guillotines all these things are coming there will be massive bloodshed on the earth because the antichrist will rule with with viciousness with evil intent to kill all of humanity that's why jesus says the days will be shortened otherwise no flesh would be left alive on the earth god literally shortened the day so that majority of the humans will not die and i heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the lord god omnipotent reigns do we have to wait to get to heaven to say this or can we say it here on this earth can we declare that jesus christ is lord of heaven and earth and under the earth he's the lord god omnipotent who reigns he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he's the great i am that i am he's the second person of the trinity is the work of the holy spirit on the earth today to make people realize that jesus is king king of kings he's the lord god almighty He came in human flesh so that we could see him face to face and know that he is God. But today majority people say I don't want nothing to do with Jesus, don't tell me about Jesus. I don't want to talk about him. But they worship and glorify celebrities and movie stars and musicians and sports personalities. Yeah, they have their bunch of idols that they worship. But God they will not worship. Revelation 19:7 Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready So again the command is to rejoice to be glad and also to give him glory Remember you are not to give glory to no man no family member no movie star nobody you got to give glory to God almighty only to him alone the glory belongs to jesus don't give glory to no one for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready see we are the bride of christ and then we will be the wife of jesus christ in heaven and what has she done she has made herself ready this whole process that we will go through the great tribulation it's to prepare you to be the wife of Jesus Christ to be the bride of Christ purified holy blameless spotless through testing through fire through tribulation you will be prepared his wife has made herself ready we are to prepare ourselves our mind our body our soul our thoughts our intentions our inner being this temple has to be prepared for Jesus Christ we always tell people get your spiritual house in order get your life in order have divine order in your life too many people's life is chaotic and out of order and messed up 
Satan has come and destroyed their life. Now they're learning to bring their life back in order. God is a God of order. He's a God of authority. He's a God of government. He has a divine authority for each one, for each family. But you say, oh, my whole family is a chaotic mess and I'm the only Christian in the family. Start praying for divine order. Say, Lord, bring divine order into my home, into my family, into my loved ones. And that is God's will for your life. As you prepare yourself, you also prepare your whole family for God's divine order. Revelation 19.8 And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. So not everybody is going to get this garment of fine linen. It was granted to her. There's a reason why the wife of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, is granted white linen. It's not just given by default because God loves me and he has a white linen robe for me. No, there's a purpose and a reason. And it is granted by divine purpose and divine order. It's not random and it's not just, God doesn't just throw his blessings around to just random people and for no reason. Everything has a reason, has a purpose, has proper intent according to God's will. It's not according to your opinion, it's not according to your feelings or your soul or your mindset or your false beliefs. It's based on divine order. So to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints so the linen represents the righteous acts of the saints ask yourself look back search your own heart search your own life and say did I do even one righteous act for God that I can deserve this fine linen that God has to give search your heart search your life a righteous act not just any random act and not just some charity, a righteous act. A righteous act could be I fasted against my flesh. I fasted against my wicked desires. I fasted and cried out to God for family members. Cried out with tears. Those are righteous acts. You have to ask yourself, what have I accomplished in the kingdom of heaven for God? That it can be accounted to my life as a righteous act. It's a very important thing. You have to look for good works. You have to go look for what God has for you to do for Him. We are so selfish and self-centered. We only consider what can people do for me? And what can I get for myself? And what do people have to offer to me? So that my life will be better. I will move forward in life and I will do great things in God. No, look out for the needs of others in the service of others. Not the wicked. We're not telling you go and bow down and enable the wicked. That is not what God is saying. It has to be righteous. Right in the eyes of God. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. This is the righteous thing to do. Because we are constantly doing the wrong things. We are always doing the wrong things. And out of a hundred wrong things, maybe one may be a righteous act. In the whole of last year, ask yourself, have you done even one righteous act for God? For continuously your life was full of wrong things. Then don't expect white, bright linen handed and granted to you. These are the righteous acts of the saints. It's not by default. It's a blessing God gives everybody. You have to qualify for this. Have you lived a righteous life? Have you lived a holy life? Have you lived a life of obedience? 
then you are considered righteous before God. It's through the righteousness of Christ, of course. We're not saying it's your own righteousness or self-righteousness. No, it's the actions that matter. It's not just your belief or your confession. It's actions. Revelation 19.9 Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, this has to be written down. It's such a powerful statement. It's such a powerful invitation. It's not everybody gets invited to this. So he told John, write it down. Revelation 19.9 Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So then again, it goes back to self-examination. Am I blessed to be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb? And we really, if we really truly are honest with ourselves and we look at ourselves and examine ourselves, we are wretched to the core. We're like, Lord, I am not worthy. I'm not blessed, but make me blessed. Make me righteous in your sight. Help me to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to transform my life to sanctify my life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit today on the earth, to sanctify saints and believers, to prepare them for the marriage supper of the Lamb. All the correction, all the rebuke, all the chastisement, all the tribulation, all the trouble, all the judgments, everything that comes is to prepare you for the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know why God is putting me through this fire and why I don't know why God is punishing me and why is God doing this to me and to my family? is to prepare you for the marriage supper of the Lamb. In heaven, you'll understand it and say, oh, now I understand, I'm blessed. Yeah, I went through a little bit of hell on earth. I went through some trials. I went through some tribulation. I went through some chastising. I went through some spanking. But it's to prepare me for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. This is true. There's no doubt in it. There is no you know, dichotomy in it, it is true. And these are the sayings of God. It's not some just angel just making up some stuff and just saying whatever he wants. It's the sayings of God. They're just relaying the message to John. John, the Lord told me to tell you this, and I'm just relaying it to you. These are the true sayings of God. And these are sayings of God by the angels that God sent to John. You have a whole bunch of charismatic clowns running around saying, oh, an angel came and showed me this, an angel revealed this to me, an angel revealed that to me. These are liars and hypocrites and messengers of hell. These are leprechauns posing as the Apostle John today. They are to be completely discarded. All their garbage revelations are to be thrown out in the dumpster, in the trash can. They will never speak Revelation 99, but they'll come up with new revelation a new vision, a new Gnostic knowledge that nobody else has. That's how you know that they are from hell. There is no new knowledge. The canon of Scripture is complete. There's no more new stuff to be added to Scripture. So then how dare these people come on television and proclaim, I had a new revelation and I saw something new in heaven that nobody else saw. Because that is not from God. Yeah, an angel came, like I said, but it's a fallen angel lying and deceiving and showing you false visions, false revelations. And they're running with things. And God spoke to me and God showed me and the angel came and the angel said this. These right there, you know, they are not of God. 
And these are not the true sayings of God because God already finished saying what he had to say. And John wrote it down and he said, now pay attention, read it, study it, obey it. You don't need some fresh revelation, some fresh added hamburger helper to this. You already have everything that Jesus wanted to tell his church through John in the book of Revelation to us today is being written down. That's what the angel is telling John, write it down. Because afterwards, a lot of imposters will come, a lot of counterfeit fake prophets will show up, a lot of fake apostles are going to show up, many will come in the name of Jesus with new revelation, new visions, new everything. And they are straight from the pit of hell. Revelation 19.10 And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Again, the angel is saying, Stop. Don't do that. Don't fall down at my feet to worship me. Yes, I'm an angel. I'm full of the glory of God and I'm shining bright. But you're not supposed to do that. Make sure that you worship Jesus. Worship God. He says, we have the testimony of Jesus. He didn't say I have the testimony of Mary or the Pope or the saints or this or that. He said, I have the testimony of Jesus. The Antichrist is going to come. And he's going to say, fall down at the feet of Lucifer, a fallen angel, and worship him as God. That's what's coming. The mark of the beast, the image of the beast, all that's written in the book of Revelation is from a fallen angel called Lucifer. He's not an angel. He's a, he's a cherubim. He's a higher level created being than the angels or even the archangels. He has a much higher capacity and energy and power and dominion over fallen angels. So he's a ruling spirit. He's a ruling angel. He's the God of this age. And the world will bow down to him as a God. But this true angel from heaven tells John, ah, don't do that. Do not bow down to me. Don't worship me because I am your fellow servant. The angels are our fellow servants. They are not God to be worshipped. But Lucifer is going to come and say, worship me. I am God. And God is going to crush him and his followers for eternity. But what does this angel say? I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. If an angel comes and tells you, oh, worship Lucifer or worship this Antichrist or worship, you say, uh-uh, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to worship only God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every prophecy is to glorify Jesus. Personal prophecy is not for your personal use and for your self-glory and Oh, I have a prophecy from God for you. And oh, God gave me a prophecy. And don't get too caught up with some prophecy that you got. That's a test to see whether you have an ego, whether you have pride, that you think you're something when you're not. Because every spirit of prophecy points to Jesus alone. Not to you, not to your family, not to your children. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Anytime you testify of Jesus, that's the spirit of prophecy. And if you have any other prophecy that's out there, throw it in the trash. It is not of God. Read it again. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So all the bunch of false prophets running around, yeah, tell them to take a hike. We're going to stop here. Next week we'll continue Revelation 19.11. Because there's so much here. There's too, 
meditate on this, to focus and to study it in depth. We're just running through it and we're trying to finish the book, but it's better to take a step back and think about it and say, wow, man, there's so much. Just in these 10 verses, that's a lot. We have to study it. We have to meditate on it. And then we have to say, how does it apply to my life today? How do I walk in obedience to this? And if you see the pattern, it's always worship God, praise God, testify of Jesus, and be ready for His return. That's the central message of the book of Revelation. And also be ready for the Antichrist to show up, the mark of the beast to show up, all the pandemics to come, all the judgments to come, all the tribulations to come, all of that to come upon the earth. Natural disasters, cataclysms, asteroid strikes, all the things that the book of Revelation talks about. We are that generation that will see it all and try and survive through all of it and say, okay, Lord, here I am, beaten, battered, bruised, but not bent the knee to Satan. That's the testimony of a true witness. And I'm sorry to, to know that majority of, especially men, are so weak, spineless, cowards, they will not make it. They are not going to make it. I've traveled the world, I've gone across many countries, and I've seen the pathetic nature of men. Sad, weak, pompous, arrogant, spineless cowards. Sad. It's really sad. At least some of the women have the devotion and the love for God, and you know they, they cry to Jesus and all of that. The men, my goodness, we're going to have people who die of heart attacks everywhere because they'll be so terrified because of the things that are coming upon the earth. So before those days come, prepare your spirit, prepare your heart, prepare your walk, prepare your lifestyle, prepare your mindset, prepare. This is the time to prepare. Don't be weak. Don't be, you know, spineless. Don't be flip-flopping. Take a stand. Take a stand and stand. Don't be going up and down, back and forth, this way or that way, left or right. Just stand. Learn to stand straight before Almighty God and say, Here I am, Lord. Today you want to take my life? Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to die for you. If today I die, today I die. And be at peace with it. But you don't find those kind of men anywhere today. Weak, spineless cowards. And the church, the most pathetic bunch of people are in the church. The most entertained, the most selfish and conceited and my goodness and again I'm talking about the western church the church in the west pampered spoiled brats rot into the core well the church in the east the church in the in Asia and Africa and these places persecuted killed for their faith suffering and dying for the for the cross and standing they're still standing they are the multitude that you will see worshiping God on earth and then in heaven, without shifting, without whining, grumbling, complaining, doing the pity party in the sad face and none of that garbage. They're just standing straight before God and saying, here I am, Lord. So these are days to be sober, to be focused, to be attentive to the voice of God, to the will of God, and to the timeline of God. Be prepared. He is coming. Before His coming, there are serious events coming. We've been warning this for 10 years now. And then we will warn even more till it is upon us and then we won't have time to warn anymore. The majority of people won't like the message. They won't like what is being spoken because nobody likes bad news. But that's the way it is. That's how the book ends. But that's 
just not the end. It's just the beginning of the new millennium kingdom. It's the beginning of the awesome glory of God and eternity with God. Yeah, there's a suffering to go through, but end of that race is an amazing reward. To put your faith in Christ, the true Christ, the real God, the true Jesus, not the fake one that these preachers on TV are always trying to promote and selling books and selling stuff and selling oil. And I don't know, they've turned it into a marketplace now. So get away from those crazy people and really just get yourself in your own quiet place with your own Bible and read and study and say, Lord, give me a sober spirit. Give me a humble heart. Give me a brokenness so I can come to know you. I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be all that and a bag of chips. I just want you. That's all I want. And my testimony is to be a testimony of you in private, in my worship time, and in public, in front of the world, so that you will not deny me when I when you return. Jesus said it very clearly. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. It's a serious warning. So we're telling people today, be bold for Christ. Be bold and say, here I am, Lord. I will be a true witness to you until the end. So pray for that kind of boldness, that kind of courage, that kind of integrity, that kind of lifestyle, that kind of a character to say it's all about Jesus. I don't care about my life. I don't care about myself. I don't. I, it's a sacrificial life. You have to pay that price. And God knows you can't fake this stuff. You can't make it up. You can't try to deceive others. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching you. Nobody cares. Everybody's busy with their own life. So just get your life straightened out. Get your life in order and be prepared for his return. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.